0: it was nominated for anything I, like a kid's choice award I would be been surprised for it to be nominated for
1: I personally found it to be one of the least enjoyable movies I've seen in a very long time I Felt almost
2: like they took two separate plots and like smashed them together hi I'm Claire Fogarty podcast editor at the daily Trojan in today's episode of rhythm and news we have a special panel of arts and entertainment writers here to talk about all things 2022 Oscars. They break down their predictions for the major categories, sound off on their personal opinions, and share who they think was snubbed this season. Without further ado, let's introduce the panel.
0: Hi! I'm Jack O'Neill. I'm a sophomore studying Cinema and Media Studies with a minor in Screenwriting and I'm gonna be talking about the best actress category and I'm something of an Oscars obsessive. So a fact that may be lame or cool is that I have seen every movie to have won best actors at the Oscars. So not to toot my own horn, but I'm a bit of an expert.
3: Hi everyone, Um, I'm Fitz Kane. I'm a sophomore studying journalism and cinema and media studies. Uh, I'm a staff writer for uh, Daily Trojan Arts and Entertainment, um, as well as a critic. I will be covering Best Director.
2: Hi, my name is Gina. I'm a freshman um, majoring in Narrative Studies with a minor in Screenwriting. I'm a columnist for the Daily Trojan. My column is called The New Renaissance and I will be discussing Best Picture.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Chris. I'm a sophomore studying communication and minoring in narrative structure. I'm an arts and entertainment staff writer at the Daily Trojan and I'm going to be covering Best Supporting Actress today. Hi,
4: my name is Allie McCoy. I am a junior English major in emphasis on creative writing and I have a minor in songwriting and in Italian and I'm going to be covering Best Actor.
1: So, so, for this year's Best Supporting Actress category, we have five nominees. We have Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, and Anjanou Ellis in King Richard. And Jesse plays young Lita Caruso in The Lost Daughter, Ariana is Anita, Judy Dench is Granny. Tristan Dunst is Rose Gordon, and Anjanew Ellis is Brandy Price, or the wife of William Richards, the mother of Venus and Serena. So we have our crop this year, Um, and to kind of start off discourse on this category, I guess, um, I will talk about who I think deserves the award the most, and also who I'm going to predict is going to win. Um, Out of this pool right here, I'm a little impartial to Jesse Buckley and The Lost Daughter. Not only did I think The Lost Daughter was um, extremely uncomfortable to watch in a really fascinating way, um, but I thought that Jesse Buckley, who plays a younger version of Olivia Colman's character, the protagonist, um, really kind of shows how motherhood um, is like gnawing at her psyche and like really tearing her apart. Um, And Jessie kind of really brings that, um, like, palpable tension to screen with her performance. Um, And just how angry and stressed she is um, really, like, was visceral and hit me hard when I watched the movie. And it was just interesting that it cut between past and present with two different actresses playing the same character. And it was so cohesive and it worked so well. And Olivia Colman and Jessie Buckley really made that happen together. Um, So I thought that was really interesting that these two amazing actresses were able to kind of, like, had their performances coalesce into one magnificent character kind of. So that's who I would like to win the award personally. I think that the award is gonna go to Ariana DeVos as Anita in West Side Story, which I'm also not angry about at all. Um, she's riveting on screen. Aside from her acting, she's an incredible singer, an incredible dancer. I mean, she has an extensive background in Broadway, um, so we kind of knew she was gonna bring some serious performing chops to the movie. Um, And she really did not disappoint, I feel. Um, I was consistently like enthralled by her character no matter what she was doing. So I would be really happy to see her um, snag a win. Um, And as for the rest of the nominees here, I also wanna give a shout out to Ingenue Ellis and King Richard. I thought she did a great job. she was really kind of like part of the soul of that movie. Um, and some of the most memorable scenes from that movie, some of the most fresh in my mind, were conversations she had with Will Smith's character, um, who is the father of Venus and Serena, um, where she kind of really anchors him um, and you know, calls him out for decisions he makes on behalf of the family and his stubborn nature kind of that his character is really no- like, well known for. Um, and so I thought she did a great job. Um, she was really powerful in her role. As for the other two, um, Judy Dunch in Belfast, I am so sorry, but fairly memorable to me. Um, I do not think that her character really served any major purpose in the story whatsoever. Um, I'm just also not very partial to the movie. So that's speaking from, you know, a place of personal bias, obviously. But her character had minimal screen time as far as I remember. Um, and she's just like a heartwarming grandmother. And I didn't really get much else from her performance, unfortunately. Um, But she was fine, Um, so that's that. And then Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, which everyone's talking about, it seems, because this is the first time that Kirsten Dunst, who has had, you know, at least, I don't know, two decades long of um, a successful acting career, this is the first time she's been recognized by the Academy, first time she's been nominated for an Oscar. Um, And I'm a little disappointed that it's for this role personally. Um, The Power of the Dog, it's a really interesting movie, but I don't think that her character was really multi-dimensional. Um, And being recognized for this performance, of course I'm not mad about it because I love Kirsten and she's been in tons of great things, which I think should have been recognized before this performance. Um, But I think that the character itself, um, just not too much to work with there. Um, Felt, you know, just kind of flat for me, Um, but she was not the worst person in that movie by any stretch, I don't think. Um, And I'm happy to see her in this list. She's really talented. and you know, we'll see what happens with her. But to kind of sum up what I've been saying here, um, I do think that this is gonna go to Ariana. I do think it's a bit um a bit of a shun for her. Um, so I was wondering if anyone has any thoughts on any of these nominees in the category, whether they have thoughts on Kirsten being nominated for the first time, if anyone wants to chime in with anything. Wow, okay, okay, I see where you're coming from. I'm I do kind of vaguely recall the original. I think this new version uh, is a little more fresh in my mind. Um, But that was something I guess I didn't really think about is like the sensuality of the role kind of. I just thought she was a complete firecracker on screen, which is why I was rooting for her. Um, Like her line delivery um, and kind of like I touched on before, we already know she's an amazing performer, but I was really impressed with her acting, especially too. Um, I don't know, I just thought that she was really lively in the role. more lively than Rachel Ziegler, might I add. That's my personal opinion. Um, And when they were together, I did feel like she was kind of eating her up a little, Um, but that's just my personal opinion.
0: I've got to say, I was very pleased to see Kirsten get a nomination finally, but I don't necessarily think that she, uh, there's nothing in her filmography that I really would point to as like, that's the one that got away. Cause I think she does, She's an interesting taste in projects and she likes a lot of genre work, very kind of experimental stuff. So to come to um, to the ceremony with more of a traditional role, I think makes a lot of sense. My pick for the winner would be Anjanew uh, Ellis. I thought she was just great. I totally agree, Chris. I think her scenes were the highlight. And um, I have to say, I'm... Uh, a bit uh, angry that Ariana DeVos is the winner. She seems so sweet. I love her. She's very talented. But, you know, I think it's impossible to watch the movie without thinking back to the original version. and what is my opinion, a far superior performance by Rita Moreno. I think Rita brought a lot of um, a very tempestuous, sensual quality to the role that made her very captivating to watch that I didn't really feel coming from uh, Ariana. I thought it was kind of, flat and affectless. So uh, I would be quite disappointed if she took home Oscar gold. One of the highlights of that film, which
3: you might feel the same way, it is difficult, obviously, being compared to Rita Moreno, who is obviously a legend. And I see what you're saying about the sensuality. But I do think that Ariana brought like a power to the role that I think more than makes up for kind of that sensual side of Anita. And like, I'm a huge fan of West Side Story. Like, I'm a huge fan of the show. And I really think she did her justice. And like like Chris has said, you know, and reiterated, like she brought so many different talents to this role. And I wouldn't be mad seeing her walk away with it.
2: I'm gonna go back to the kissed and dunced point. I agree, going into Power of the Dog, Uh, And watching it, knowing that she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I was very confused (laughs) as to why that happened. Um, Like you said, I think there is, it's, it's a more shallow character that she plays. Like there's not layers to her, which is something that I was a little disappointed about. And then also, like, I feel like just that character, the way that it's written, there's really not much of an arc there. Like, whereas you look at the other characters from Power of the Dog and every, like, everything they go through and the nuance of what they go through. And she's just kind of there as this, you know, woman who's against drinking alcohol and then becomes an alcoholic. And then, like, that's it. So, I don't know. That was my little thing. I do not understand why this
1: is the role that got her nominated. But here we are. Exactly. I have to agree with you again on this point. And you bring up an excellent point, too, that... Benedict Cumberbatch and Cody Smith McPhee's characters in the movie, there's so much to unpack with those two and their dynamic especially. And Kirsten's like completely sidelined compared to them, I feel her, you're right, like she just doesn't have nearly as many layers as those characters do. So it is kind of a um, like a befuddling choice a little bit, I think.
0: Next up, we've got Best Supporting Actor. Uh, I'll start by talking about, we have, two performances nominated from the same movie. That doesn't happen too often nowadays at the Oscars. It was pretty common in the past, but it's more of a rarity now. So we have Cody Smith-McPhee and uh, Jesse Plemons, both for Power of the Dog. And then filling out the rest of the lineup, we have Troy Katzer for Coda, Kieran Hines for Belfast, and J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. And I'll say that uh, I know earlier in the Oscar race, Cody Smith McPhee was considered to be kind of the early favorite. And it's easy to understand why it's such a compelling character. And I think it's more complex than one might initially think viewing the film. I love seeing uh, the arc of his relationship with Benedict Cumberbatch's character, that attraction and that fear, that the interplay between those two. I think he plays that very well. Um, but I think I was actually more of a fan and pleasantly surprised by the performance of Jesse Plemons. I thought he brought a lot of um, sort of silent aplomb and dignity, a very restrained performance, definitely not as showy as Cody Smith McPhee's role, but equally impressive. And so I think he might be my pick for uh, for the ceremony, which is a bit out of left field, but I stand by it. And I think uh, We also, a nomination that surprised a lot of people was J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. But I also quite enjoyed this nomination. He plays uh, a bit of a cantankerous character, sort of this older sitcom actor who, you know, in the first initial scenes is pretty one note, kind of grumpy, you know, given his little one-liners. But I think he has a great scene with uh, Nicole Kidman's Lucille Ball uh, that's, very illuminating and, and suggests like an intelligence that goes beyond uh, just sort of the the sitcom surface. And so I enjoyed this nomination, but it's it's quite uh, slight when you compare it to let's say his phenomenal work in uh, Whiplash. He's a previous winner after all, so it definitely pales in comparison. Uh, Kieran Hines in Belfast is uh, much like Judy Dunch in. Belfast. It's a, a slight role. There's not a whole lot of screen time, but I think they have a nice uh, chemistry. A lot of their scenes are together, and it's pretty unusual because they're playing a married couple, but she's almost 20 years older than him. And so it's a bit uh, confusing at first, but I think they play it quite well. There's a lot of affection there and um, just a nice sweetness to a film that is already admittedly very sweet, to the point that some might consider it saccharine. I quite liked Belfast, but I think I might be in the minority on that one. And then uh, the front runner, the one that everyone's predicting is gonna win and who's sort of unexpectedly swept a lot of the precursor awards is Troy Katzer in CODA. Now, I am really not a fan of CODA. I caught up with it uh, last week and I, I was, baffled, surprised, flabbergasted that it was nominated for anything, you know, much like, like a kid's choice award. I would be been surprised for it to be nominated for much less best picture. You know, I thought it was just uh, completely like cliche and sort of a lot of the critiques that people have of Belfast, which is that it's like, you know, silly and kind of formulaic eye level against Coda. Um, But, you know, his performance is competent. It's, um, it's kind of funny. He brings a little like a, he's this like, sort of funny hippie guy. Um, Lots of some like cute scenes with Marley Matlin, who's a previous Oscar winner. And so this marks the second time that a deaf performer has been nominated. So, you know, if nothing else, that is uh, commendable. But I think he would be kind of further down because there's not really much of an, there's no scene that really sticks out to me. And I think part of that is because of the low stakes of CODA. At no point in CODA did I feel like the family was going to uh, irrevocably splinter. It felt pretty low stakes. A lot of people have called it Disney Channel and I would be inclined to agree. So I'll I'll open it up from there and I'd love to hear what, what the rest of you have to say. Am I being too harsh on CODA? Did you agree with me? Sound off.
1: I do think, I understand the criticism of CODA that it is a little sappy, it is a little Disney Channel original-esque. However, I still found a lot to enjoy in the movie personally. Um, I don't think it's a Best Picture contender. But I did find the storyline sweet and charming and I did enjoy the family dynamic and Troy was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie honestly um I do kind of agree that there isn't one specific scene where he really grabbed my attention but I did feel like consistently in that movie he brought the most like passion to his role I feel um and he really brought like some of the most personality in the movie to his character um and I enjoyed him um there wasn't any point where I really wasn't um however if I had to pick someone in this category far and away it's going to be cody smith mcphee honestly i do think that he has a slight advantage over these other nominees because i feel like he simply has way more screen time than a lot of these people do maybe troy has a comparable mountain coda um but cody really did the damn thing in the power of the dog i feel he was easily my favorite part of the movie um and i don't know how deep we're venturing into spoilers here so i'm gonna keep it kind of light but the ending of the movie cody really made that for me and he really sold it um and really tied the movie together for me um and so i think that's why i'm kind of rooting for him in this category
4: i also agree it's probably because he got the most screen time out of anyone you see a full arc of him just you know through his character he's at the going from the bottom of the totem pole to the top really in a way um he's the one first being picked on by benedict cumberbatch's character and then if you know you know by the end but um i found yeah his character to be unpredictable but not in like an irrational way but in a way that you know everything had its reason you understood why he'd have such contempt for benedict cumberbatch's character phil burbank so it it was enough to make it make sense, but not um, but not so much that it was obvious. Um, I especially liked his little smirk at the end. So it, it wasn't like so vague, like, oh, how did this even happen? I liked that it was clear that, you know, he he had a plan in mind and that, you know, I think a lot of what, you know, the power of the dog was, uh, you know, talking about, you know, there's a lot about masculinity and bravado and his kind of more sly approach to you know getting ahead, I feel like was really was demonstrated really well in, in that movie. How power is not always you know in muscles, but it's in intellectualism a little bit too, and thinking um, thinking ahead of the next person.
0: All right, so it looks like there's a, a bit of a consensus we've got going on here uh, behind Cody Smith McPhee. And so it'll be really interesting to see how that uh, shakes down come Oscar night. I have a feeling we might be in for a surprise, but who knows?
4: Okay, so I would be discussing Best Actor. The lineup for this category is going to be Andrew Garfield of Tick, Tick, Boom. Javier Bardem, who plays Desi Arnaz in Being the Ricardos. Denzel Washington in the adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth, um, called The Tragedy of Macbeth. Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog will smith in king richard so going through my list we've got andrew garfield i would spoiler but i i think he was probably the most memorable of all of these roles garfield's performance he's spilling over with enthusiasm and grit and you just you want him so badly to be able to bathe in you know, uh, success. But you're not, as viewers, and and when you look it up on Wikipedia, you're not really rewarded with that, which is tragic and encapsulated. Power of the Dog, it's kind of like the front runner of the Best Picture nominees, probably because it's very slow and gritty, which the Academy tends to like. And it's got this British man playing an American, which is another fan favorite of the Academy. I wouldn't say he was, he was terrific, but I wouldn't say he was so great that it made the movie, a movie that I didn't find particularly interesting, interesting. And then we've got Being the Ricardos, which he starred alongside um, Nicole Kimmon. They both played characters that they did not look much alike in their vibe. so that was a little jarring. But, you know, Javier Verdun's, just the tenor of his voice is so gripping. And, you know, although they didn't look the part, look, you know, the, the chemistry of their, contentious relationship was really evident. Though the movie I, in and of itself felt slow, which helped, which didn't, doesn't help Javier Bardem's case. Cause I feel like if it was a different movie about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, it could have been much better. Cause he played the hell out of that role. I just don't think, you know, he was, for a lot of the movie he was playing himself, but 20 years younger, it just like, it didn't, it, it was a little bit of an uncanny valley thing where you're kind of like, Okay, this is Desi Arnaz, but he doesn't really look like Desi Arnaz, and he's supposed to be 20 here, but he obviously looks 50. So there was a lot of mental hoops I had to drop. I don't think he got quite there with convincing me all the way, though I think he did probably as best as he could have given the situation. Will Smith, King Richard. I think this is probably one of Will Smith's best performances, um, and his best job at impersonating someone else, especially in comparison to his character in Concussion. Um, He... This is where he nails the accent. And that vigor that he had, that was pretty real to his character. The parts that even seemed over the top probably were understated. He was very, 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 very demanding as a father and as a coach to the point where, you know, you almost feel some pity for Serena and Venus, but it did work. So there's this conflict of interest there. And... His character, you know, at the end of the day, they are romanticizing his characters because his plans did work out. But there's also the flip side of what if these girls just, you know, kind of had like a psychiatric break or something like that. And it didn't work out. That could be a completely different story. And it also it could have happened considering how hard he was on them. Moving on with my hot take about Denzel. Um, this will be quick. I'm glad we're able to, we're in a space where it's, we're free to roast. He was giving drunk grandpa i i watched the film earlier and there was the whole point of everyone of francis mcdormand his character being casted older than you know a typical um macbeth and lady macbeth would be casted but it felt like a stretch with i think it just this feels a little bit more oh denzel Jet washington's a legend we're just gonna give him this because he was in a shakespeare adaptation it, it didn't feel like While he wasn't bad, I would say his posture and his demeanor did not exactly convince me of some sort of, you know, really um, bloodthirsty, power hungry king. I I didn't really get that. He seemed a little more, a little too relaxed, a little bit, a little goofy. There's this theme of the Oscars and a debate of whether, you know, you have these actors and should you nom- Should the actor get an award, considering their collective work, or should they get an or or should that? It should every performance be treated as a performance on its own. So, for example, someone like in years past Leonardo DiCaprio. A lot of people would say maybe the Revenant wasn't as best work, but he got the award because of his collective work being in films for so many years. And there are definitely people in this category like Will Smith. Who have, you know, a huge collective work but had never won an Oscar. It would this, if he won this, would this be more of a collective work win or more of a win on its as a standalone?
3: So in response to your question, I definitely feel like in order to make it a play, a fair playing field, like the Academy should look at the given the performance that's nominated, but it's not like the Oscars are always there. Like, yeah, like I agree that that's not always the case. Um, but that's my opinion. I am also a huge fan of Tick, Tick, Boom. I think that it possibly deserves more recognition. Maybe it's not really an Oscars movie, and I'm okay with that. But I loved that movie. I think Andrew Garfield did an amazing job. I think he showed talents that people did not know he had. At the same time, I would not campaign for him to win this this award because it's a role that he feels equipped to play. It feels not that distant from every other role he's played, really. Um, not that he did anything wrong, but it's just not a a best actor award for a winning performance for me I think I think that he has more in his future hopefully um that that maybe would be more deserving of that
1: if I'm gonna be honest here I do think it's gonna be Will Smith Uh, I think Benedict has a strong shot too and personally um I haven't seen Tick Tick Boom in this category but I would love to see it go to Benedict um I did think again he was one of the highlights of the power of the dog um but Will Smith's role in King Richard, I mean, he has a lot of screen time. He has a lot of presence. He's kind of pivotal in the story. It's a biopic about him. Um, And I do think that in terms of Will Smith's filmography, um, it is kind of like a landmark role for him. And he brings a lot of character to it, Um, but it didn't strike me as much as Benedict's, honestly. I agree with what everyone said about Cumberbatch.
2: Um, I agree. I think personally, it's either gonna go to Benedict Cumberbatch or Will Smith. Um, I also didn't see Tick, Tick, Boom. But between Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith, I think they play different characters, like Benedict Cumberbatch, his um, like the brilliance of his performances through the nuance of it, in the movements, in the, you know, the eye contact and whatnot, like the physicality of it. Whereas Will Smith, he did show a lot of the character arc through the dialogue and through kind of the verbal expression of exactly how he thought things through. So that's two very different ways, I think, for them to act, but um, I, I, do, I agree, I think it's gonna be one of those two.
0: All right, um, so we've got Best Actress, uh, and I think this is a wonderful crop of nominations, so I'll just read through these. We've got Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Kristen Stewart in Spencer, and Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. And something that I I love and appreciate about this lineup is that it's um, a really distinguished crop of actresses who are all uh, pretty famous and recognized in the industry. And so I definitely am kind of queening out a little bit, seeing so many familiar faces that I love so much. Um, We've got three winners, in fact, three previous winners. So it's it's quite the stacked lineup. I'll start off by talking about our front runner, the woman who uh, is sort of poised, you know, to win it all. um, Is, so that's Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And so uh, the Academy always loves a good transformation. They love prosthetics, makeup, wigs, especially they love accent work, doing a voice. And I think we have all of that to, you know, to the max in this performance. And so to that point, I think it's definitely gotten a lot of attention because of the almost clownish character of Tammy Faye. But to Jessica's credit, I think she does a wonderful job infusing this character that could have very easily been, become a caricature with a lot of uh, humanity and sensitivity. I think the performance is much better than the film itself. Um, Jessica Justine also has a, an overdue narrative, which is something that the Oscars love. Like we were talking about, like the sort of Leonardo DiCaprio phenomenon. She's been nominated twice before, um, you know, and people really thought back in 2012 with Silver Linings Playbook that she was gonna win. It was either gonna be her or Jennifer Lawrence and obviously she lost out. So I think this is a great opportunity for her to, to kind of redeem it definitely not my favorite performance of the bunch, but I would be really happy to see Jessica win just because I think she's earned it. She's put in the work. In a similar role, we have uh, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. And so much like Jessica Chastain, she's playing a, a character that has a lot of baggage and sort of iconography associated with her. She's playing Lucille Ball. And so in, you know, true Nicole Kidman fashion, she has a questionable wig that she wears throughout the whole movie. It wouldn't be a Nicole Kidman movie without the wigs, um, and you know she kind of has a an equally questionable American accent. She's <laughs> never quite been able to shake that you know Aussie twang from her voice. But I thought that she did a very nice job. You know, Nicole Kidman is one of the uh, the greatest you know working film actresses in my opinion, and I thought it was a very clever decision for Aaron Sorkin to set this movie just in one week of their lives and not, you know, attempt to do a full biopic as they did in Tammy Faye. And I think it's it's more effective here because it really hones in on a specific moment. And so she has a lot of space and time to really interrogate those feelings rather than having to kind of play catch up, tracing all of those biographical details. Next up, we've got Olivia Colman in The Lost Daughter. Uh, you know, Olivia Colman is someone that has had a late in life, well, that's, (laughs) she's not that old, but she, a late career uh, renaissance, you know, she was kind of flying under the radar, doing a lot of British television, but then really came to prominence uh, with uh, roles in things like Fleabag and The Favourite. And since then she's kind of been on a hot streak. She got a nomination last year for The Father, and she's back again with, you know, equally skillful, um, captivating work in The Lost Daughter. I thought, I think maybe from a technical perspective, you know, I have the, uh, the most esteem for this performance. I thought it was very layered, very complicated. Um, and I, I would agree with that statement on the film as a whole. I thought that, you know, this film has a lot of meaning that is not immediately obvious and that you can really Unpack and and disc, uh, think about, and mull over. And that's in large part because of her performance. Uh, you know, I think unlike, say, uh, Nicole Kidman and uh, Jessica Chastain in their roles, no, uh, Olivia is not attempting a transformation of any kind. In fact, she's playing at qualities that she regularly deploys in her roles. You know, as Queen Anne and the favorite, and as the godmother in Fleabag, she has a similar sort of sour, acrid disposition that's a bit off-putting. You know, the character of Leda Caruso is not very likable in the movie, but she is always sympathetic and always immensely watchable. And so I I really have a lot of uh, esteem for this role. I think it might be the the best, but it's not the movie that I want to win. The movie that I would love to see win, the performance that I would love to see win is Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers. you know, the collaboration between director Pedro Almodovar and Penelope Cruz is one of the most, you know, fruitful in cinema. It's born such wonderful work, you know, through a decades long collaboration. And it's great to see the Academy recognize that uh, in this movie, much like Olivia Coleman, I would say that uh, Penelope Cruz, this is not a performance that's based on observable or quantifiable effort. You know, it's not like she's transforming or anything like that. She's playing to qualities that she innately possesses. And then last but not least, we've got our only uh, actress who is not a previous nominee, and that would be Kristen Stewart. She's finally made it. You know, she survived the the gauntlet of Twilight and the years of being trashed as a terrible actress and, you know, finally is... Uh, getting a bit of recognition that I think is much overdue. And so, uh, Spencer was a film that I very much enjoyed. I thought it was um, perhaps to the converse of something like Eyes of Tammy Faye, I think the movie might be better than the performance, but I did think that she was um, quite, quite watchable, very, um, very enjoyable. I liked seeing her. Um, you know, in, She's also playing a very recognizable, very famous public figure. Uh, Princess Diana but what I appreciated about this film is that it took a lot of license and was very creative with how it portrayed uh, this character it's not so much an impersonation as it is sort of an impression of a real-life person and so I think she brings a lot of her own qualities rather than trying to replicate someone else's qualities which in my mind is the mark of a a great actress and I think, you know, early in the, in the race, she had a lot of heat. It sort of died down. So I, I think the odds are slim for, Kirsten, or for Kristen, but so glad to see her represented here.
1: First of all, I'm a Kristen Stewart, not a Stan, but I definitely am a big fan of her work. And I was more than pleasantly surprised with her performance in Spencer. Um, I do think as Jack was saying, Um, The movie, first of all, I'm upset that it's not in any other category because I personally found it to be one of the most enchanting movies of last year and it received almost no buzz on the accolades award circuit. Um, Some critics picked it up, some didn't. Um, But like Jack said before also, Um, When Kristen first debuted with this performance, I feel like she was expected to be getting awards everywhere, and almost no one was nominating her. So I was very relieved to see that she did appear in this category at the Academy Awards. And personally, I will be rooting for Kristen here. I think that she has this very dark and kind of riveting transformation in Spencer. She sells the hell out of her character. And I know that some people are gonna come from the angle that her performance is kind of one note, or the character itself. But like Jack said, I mean, this is an impression of Diana and it's a really memorable one.
2: I agree, Kristen Stewart was incredible. I love Spencer. Um, Personally, and we will get to this in a minute. I don't understand why Spencer was not nominated for Best Picture when certain films were nominated for Best Picture, but uh, more on that later. Um, I personally would love to see Olivia Colman win. Again, with the whole uh, character like being written for her. I think it's very interesting how her character is, there's not like a huge arc to it. Like certain characters, I feel like when they have very clear high points, very clear low points, it's easier for the actor to like show his or her skill because of that disparity. But her character felt kind of the same throughout. And still for me as a viewer to feel a layeredness to her performance that's what really struck me. I was like, okay, that's how you can see, in my opinion, that she's an amazing actress.
3: Okay, so um, I guess it's time to move on to best directing, which is the category that I will be um, commenting on. So I will try not to take too long on this um, because I do kind of think of best directing kind of as like best picture light. Like maybe that's bad, but I feel like it's hard to quantify... You know, when you're watching a film, it's hard to say, like, this or that was, um, you know, the doing of the director, because the director has their hands in every part of a film. But that being said, um, you know, I I did uh, make some notes on all of these films um, and kind of what I thought about their directing. So, um I'll start with Belfast because I really just don't have anything to say. Um, You know, a lot of people were impressed with Kenneth Branagh's directing, um, saying this was like some of his best work. Um, I just like really have nothing to say about like his directorial style. I mean, it was in black and white, like good for them. Um, I just didn't really, um, nothing, nothing really jumped out to me um, about Belfast as having like any particular, um, you know, directorial style that was really impressive. Um, So then we have West Side Story, Steven Spielberg, obviously, he's had seven previous nominations in this category, he's won twice. Um, And I was happy with what he did with West Side Story. You know, I'm very familiar with the show, the original movie. Um I wasn't overly angered by any changes he made. So props to him on that front. Um and I will say that he did kind of lend this very grand feeling to west side story which it needs to have like it's a huge story like there's so much spectacle um and i think his directing did kind of bring that in but what i will say again is it kind of just watched as like like when i watched it i was like okay cool this is just like a big blockbuster then we have jane campion for the power of the dog uh she is definitely the front runner. Um, I would say not only is power of the dog, you know, leading the pack, uh, in terms of nominations across the board, but it was just applauded for, um, kind of the atmosphere that Campion was able to create. Um, and I would applaud her for that for sure. Um, you know, obviously the movie has such a beautiful setting. Um, such a natural setting that I think, like, the cinematography really highlights, Um, and on top of that, it kind of just has a sinister, kind of mysterious, like, undertone that I think Campion is able to uh, capture really well, and, you know, the narrative is paced, you know, some people were unhappy with how, I guess, slow it was, but I found that the pacing was really effective, and um, obviously, you get Uh, quite a bit of shock value at the end that I think that she just handled that pacing um, near perfectly. So I would not be unhappy to see Jane Campion walking away with it. Then we have Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. So Licorice Pizza was not my favorite movie, but I honestly think that Paul Thomas Anderson would be my pick for this category just because I feel like you, you watch Licorice Pizza, and it's very easy to say, like, this is a Paul Thomas Anderson film. I feel like it has such a distinct style. Um, it's so much fun. Um, you know, it, it brings in so many pieces of just, like, the 70s that, like, I just feel like it captures that era very well, and um you know he's been nominated before for there will be blood and phantom thread and he did not win either time I think that those films are better than (laughs) licorice pizza um but like we were saying earlier you know sometimes uh someone's whole body of work and you know like the overdue storyline um you know does play into things so I would be happy to see him walk away with it as well. Um, for Drive My Car we have Riz- Rizuki Hamaguchi um, and a lot of people really connected with Drive My Car. Um, I honestly feel like I owe it a rewatch. Um, it is a very unique directorial style so I'll give that to him. Like it was a very still um, you know very dialogue focused like it's very melancholy like introspective um, And I think that, you know, he did a really great job as well. Um, Again, it's like hard to say almost like, like to pinpoint like the director's role beyond just like talking about the film. Um, But yeah, I think that that movie did have a very specific style and a very specific, um, you know, way of telling its story um, and pacing and, and bringing the audience along and, and, using subtlety and I don't know I was I was impressed with that movie as well um but so overall uh I think that I would like to see it go to either Jane Campion or Paul Thomas Anderson um I think it is probably going to go to Jane Campion but I would like to hear what anyone else has to say and I also would like to hear anybody's thoughts on just like the category as a whole and like what elements kind of like stand out to you when you're trying to evaluate like the quality of direction? I think and
2: you mentioned um, this because obviously you're basing it and you're not on
3: set watching the director work but you're basing it off of um, you know the finished product. I think directing is a little bit
2: more of like what you're an trying to evaluate is like how well Did try to quantify um, did the because there's so many different styles of film to
3: the finished Like product. for
2: instance if you're directing a satirical piece versus a dramatic piece versus a comedy like they're going to be very Different techniques of how to get that message across. But um, I think for me, like personally, what I would like to see is whatever the message of the film is, if the tone that the director established helps to amplify that message. And for me as a viewer, I don't have to go searching for that. Like it's very obvious to me, like, what is this supposed to mean? Like, how is this supposed to affect me? That is the hallmark of a good director. Um, I. Would like to see and I think she'll probably win would be a Jane Campion for Power of the Dog just because that also seems to be what has been happening with the precursor awards Um, but yeah no directing is a difficult one and I think it's also the same thing with Best Picture.
3: Uh, Jane Campion's nomination here made her the first woman to ever be nominated in this category twice. Uh, The first time she was nominated for the piano Um, she lost to Spielberg um, for Schindler's List. So it's interesting to see them
1: up against each other again. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's
0: really difficult to sort of extricate best director from best picture, they are kind of linked. Uh, and it's it's like exceedingly unusual for a movie to win best picture without having first a best director nomination. And so I think that might inform some of our discussion later on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, on Jane Campion, uh, you know, rooting for that. And I think she's such, um, she's not really a Hollywood insider. You know, she had tremendous success with The Piano, you know, nearly 30 years ago. And what I love so much about that movie and what's also, you know, apparent in Power of the Dog is this like wonderfully unexpected, subtle, like understanding of sexuality and the relationship between sexuality and power. And I think those themes that are kind of recurrent in her work are really finely tuned here in Power of the Dog.
2: So for Best Picture, this year we have 10 nominees, which I don't think has ever happened before, but we have The Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Coda, Dune, King Richard, Drive My Car, Belfast, West Side Story, and Licorice Pizza. I do not understand how Coda, Don't Look Up, and Licorice Pizza made it into this running, especially when we also had um, Spencer, House of Gucci, and uh, The Lost Daughter not get nominated at all for Best Picture, so that was a little puzzling to me. But of the nominees, personally, I would love to see King Richard win. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't know. I might be a little biased because I come from a tennis family, but um, I think overall it was a very cohesive story. I mean, obviously it's a very inspirational story. It's a true story, which makes it all the more compelling as a viewer. And then the acting performances by all the actors were phenomenal. Very on point. The cinematography was beautiful. Like it was just a very well-rounded film. Um, And it wasn't, too difficult to follow. So like, as a viewer, I got that sense of, you know, I can enjoy watching this movie without having to do too much thinking. And at the same time, it has that emotional uplifting element to it. Realistically, I think the power of the dog will probably win. Um, that or Belfast, because that, those two at the Critics' Choice Awards especially, were getting like all the, all the buzz. I think my biggest thing that I wanted to talk about though for this category is the fact that there are 10 nominations. like on the one hand I can see that you know it gives way for okay, some of these films that maybe wouldn't have gotten recognition got a chance to be recognized. but on the other hand, based on the list that were nominated, they're so different. like there's such different genres like for example, you have "Don't look up" and then the Power of the Dog right next to each other like is that even
4: comparable, you know? So I was just wondering what you guys thought on that. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely way too many, especially at the, in my opinion, and I think my opinion is shared that as far as films go right now, we're kind of at a dip. As far as quality goes, we're definitely in a TV era. So this wouldn't maybe, you know, in another time, this would have been a great opportunity to have expand the category, but this is definitely not it. It it feels overindulgent at this point because it's just like, okay, we're just doing every movie that was big this year, except not really because we're not going box office, we're just going. So every movie by a famous director and that was, you know, artsy in a specific kind of way and yeah, it just felt like, it feels less like a, oh, like, you know, let's be more inclusive and more like wanting to appease more people.
3: Yeah, I want to second that. Um, it definitely feels like a weak crop this year in general. Um, I just recently was looking back at like other other years, like just a list of the Best Picture nominees and just like nothing on this list is really like a movie that I love, quite honestly. Like there are ones that I liked better than others, but I don't know. Um, I would say, I would agree, Power of the Dog probably has the best shot, which we've been saying a lot. Um, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, I want to say, because we haven't gotten to comment on this movie at all, this whole podcast, I did not like Nightmare Alley at all. I'm a huge fan of Guillermo del Toro. I thought this was way weaker than the other movies I'd seen from him. It was just so, like, it was, like, boring and, like, obvious, and I felt like it was predictable. It didn't really have anything to say. I was, like, I was disappointed that that was even nominated. Um, Yeah, but I don't know. My favorite of the bunch is probably West Side Story, but... A lot of that probably has to do with the fact that I just love West Side Story um, and maybe not even this particular adaptation. So yeah, I am quite honestly left feeling a little just indifferent. No, I
2: totally agree with you. And then um, on the Nightmare Alley point also, uh, my friend and I, we watched that together and we said it felt almost like they took two separate plots and like smashed them together. Like that last half of the movie, I don't know what happened. Like I, it was... Predictable. Um, I, I just felt a shift somewhere where I was like, "What? What? What is going on?" So that was not the greatest experience. Um, but yeah, no, none of these pic, uh, movies actually like blow me away. Like it's crazy for me to think, like, "Oh my gosh, this is the same category that Once Upon a Time
4: movies like The Godfather were nominated, and now we have this." I guess technically we're still in a pandemic year as far as nominations go, so I'll give them that. But yeah, so we, everyone was saying, "Oh, Power of the Dog's going to win." I was like, oh, no, "I don't want Power of the Dog to win." And then I was like, "Oh yeah, probably it's going to win." As I was like looking over this again, because the movies that I like out of this list are, you know, movies I found entertaining. But I I value entertainment. I value being you know um, riveted from the beginning to the end. But I know that that is not something that is particularly important to voters. So something like a Don't Look Up, a Dune, a King Richard, which I was very invested in throughout. I don't think, you know, Dune, I'll I'll say I'm I'm a Dune apologist. I read the book, I love the book. And that was the first time I've been excited about a movie in a really long time.
1: Yeah, I think that this year, no matter how you feel about Don't Look Up, I personally found it to be one of the least enjoyable movies I've seen in a very long time. I thought the satire was just completely overwrought. I don't think that movie should have touched the best picture category at the Academy Awards with a 10-foot pole. I am shocked that it is on this list, personally. And looking at these others, I think King Richard and Coda are quite similar. But King Richard, uh, I will agree with the performances in that. I, I enjoyed but I did think the performances carried the movie there wasn't really anything else that kind of jumped out to me from watching that um anything I found particularly notable or like used the art form to like its highest potential or advantage kind of um and also I mean I think Code is kind of in the same category heartfelt you know great family watch um but I I don't consider it particularly best picture worthy Um, Like I said before, I will ride a bit for Drive My Car here. I do think it is very understated. It's definitely not gonna be up everyone's alley. It's not to everyone's taste, kind of. Um, But it is really exciting to see that this is the first Japanese film that's ever been nominated for Best Picture. Um, And Hamaguchi is the first Japanese director to ever be nominated in the category, I believe, too. and that just jumped out to me in this category as the most thoughtful film. Like I had the most to say, which I really appreciated um, because like we've kind of touched on throughout, um, it's a pandemic year for film. I think the industry is kind of ramping back up, um, but releases are kind of slow. Um, and I do think that this year's crop of nominees kind of reflects that slowness. Um, and Drive My Car, I was just really struck by how it handled um, like grief and romance and self-acceptance Um, and putting these characters in spaces where they were forced to kind of have in-depth conversations with one another um, about topics like grief, which are really kind of heavy handed, um, that are kind of also taboo um, culturally. And they were just kind of forced to really confront, um, you know, these issues that affected them so personally. Um, And among these Best Picture nominees, I do think that Dune had the most to offer in terms of, cinema as a form, it really used everything to the fullest potential. It was epic, that's the only way I can describe that movie, especially seeing it in a theater. Um, and props to Villeneuve for everything he did on that movie because it's technically impressive and a huge beat.
0: Yeah, I like completely agree, but I think that this field looking at it doesn't really do much for me. There's no movies that I'm really passionate about or that are exciting. And I I think that that's probably just because of the diminished role that film has in American culture. Frankly, like I think none of these movies were like hugely popular. Like we talked about The Godfather. It's insane to think about how like 50 years ago, you know, one of the biggest, most popular movies that everyone in the country had seen, you know, won Best Picture, and now we're kind of down to these. You know the dregs that very you know i think a very small percentage of the nation has seen or engaged with and so in that way i think the expanded field really speaks to the oscars kind of desperation to claw back to relevance and i don't think it's working i don't think this is the right approach
3: well now that we have kind of ripped to shreds the list that is there um i really want to point out some uh you know, some films that I think were done a disservice by the nominations or were not nominated at all or were nominated in the wrong categories, in my opinion. I just want to start by saying <clears throat> um, come on, come on. Uh, if any of you guys saw that, I think definitely deserved nominations above a handful of these movies. Walking um, Phoenix in that movie was Awesome. I just think that that was really surprising not to see that nominated anywhere. Um, I also think Spencer should have gotten a little bit more love. Um I was a fan of Tick, Tick, Boom, but I'm like, okay with it being nominated where it was. Um, oh, and my other one. <laughs> so the worst person in the world um, is, uh, Norwegian movie um that was nominated for best international film I highly doubt it will win because drive my car is also nominated but I would have liked to see that get some more recognition in other categories um I was a huge fan of that movie but um yeah does anyone else have any uh other snubs they want to point out the
4: house of Gucci I mean it was definitely camp it it's nothing I expected to be um you know, a Best Picture winner, but it definitely, if there's something like Licorice Pizza, if, you know, these other movies are and I'm like, why not House of Gucci? It makes sense relative to the other, um, you know, nominations. And I think the acting really sold the movie. I think, you know, the tension between Adam Driver and Lady Gaga's character was palpable.
1: I am of the opinion that House of Gucci was not camp. It was just mediocre. It was mediocrity disguised as camp, advertised as camp to me, I really did not enjoy any of the performances either. Um, I thought Lady Gaga was flat and a mess, personally. Um, And I did not find Adam Driver particularly charismatic at all. And my main issue with House of Gucci is that it's a two and a half hour long movie with the most pivotal climactic moment, not even becoming any sort of narrative focus until about two hours in probably. Um, So that's my two cents on House of Gucci. I was actually delighted to see that it was snubbed for Best Picture. That's just me. But in terms of a snub in general, um, the Academy would not have gone for this movie, I knew. But Teton, if anyone has seen it, blew my mind. And I was really hoping it was going to get recognized in the international category, which it didn't. Um, but Teton, uh, if people haven't seen it, it's a movie about, um, a woman who gives birth to a car baby. That's the premise. We can leave it at that.
2: And to end on a positive note, the panel will now share their all-time favorite Best Picture winners.
0: Moonlight. Ordinary People.
3: The
4: Sound of Music.
0: Titanic. The
3: Godfather.
4: And that's it for this podcast. Happy Oscars season, and you'll hear us next
1: time on Rhythm and News.